Oh my god, I played such shitty golf today. Is there any other kind? <laughs> that's going in the episode. We're gonna start it here because that's that's perfect. Welcome to Craft Advice, a podcast to help investors tackle the more complex area of their personal and business finances. Join Jack and Sean as we discuss everything from investing to retirement and everything in between. <laughs> Literally. So on one of these holes, so I played, I'm not going to name the golf course on this just to keep my anonymity. One listener will know because he played with me today, but so I played the same course a couple months ago, shanked the ball left and he screams, oh no, that's a Tesla. And then, you know, luckily I hit a bush, didn't call, cause any issues. First shot this time goes right back for the Tesla, doesn't hit it, lands in the bushes. So I decided to, you know, drop, hit another shot, which I decided to take a drop in the center of the fairway because, you know, why not? Sure. Why not? Shank the ball even harder left. <laughs> You're Someone get goes, oh shit, the Tesla again. We don't hear any like smash. And then you hear, Pop, 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 pop. Like it's bouncing off a roof of a car. And I was like, oh God. You finally got it. I mean, you know what they say? If at first you don't succeed, try again. Shank, shank again. Yeah. That's it. Hard left. Hard left. Yeah. And it was probably 92 degrees out there. You know, it started at like a nice 70, 75. And then just progressively as it got hotter, I just got worse. This is the worst time of year to play golf. Yeah. I don't know. We got to move. We got to move north. What are you drinking today? All right. What do I got? I've got a, uh, I've got Pernicious by Wicked Weed, a little IPA. Pretty solid. You know, they sold. They're no longer the Asheville Brewery. Yeah. No. They have been acquired by ABM Bev. Hmm. I feel like a sellout. I don't know if I want to keep. I know. God. Big beer Sean over here. What was it? A sponsorship deal? <laughs> You know how I figured that out? Hmm. Went to the Rays game and they had Wicked Weed there. And I immediately go, they must have sold out. So I just Googled it from the stands. Mm-hmm. Sure enough. Huh. So I'm going with uh, Cycle Brewing, downtown St. Pete, Crank IPA. I like it. Good little consistent beer. I had a six pack at the beginning of the week. I've finished almost all of it now. So closing that bookend. Right on. But anyways, so this is a different episode we're going to call these the monthly tap room, kind of just random discussion Sean and I have markets, headlines, financial planning news, and then we'll wrap it up with some buy, sell, and hold. Um, my first topic I wanted to cover was actually tied to Square acquiring Afterpay. Did you know anything about Afterpay, Sean? Uh, very little. I just know it's a... Uh... It's a, it's one of those, uh, buy now, pay later companies. Yep. Yeah. So I've been abusing the buy now, pay later. <laughs> and, uh, those companies are taking off. Since well, the- it kind of makes sense. I mean, if you can borrow at 0% or maybe that's just our stupid, like millennial mindset telling us to do that. But if you buy a Peloton now, you know, 0%, I just bought a new mattress, 0%. Which, by the way, that eight sleep mattress is gold. My 
my Apple watch this morning told me you got the best sleep you've ever had this year. And I was like, this is probably just them, you know, eight sleep paid them to tell me that, but that's awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. We're in the market. So I'm definitely gonna have to look into that one. Look into that. But I do think back to this square afterpay thing. I think this is the direction the entire financial industry is going to go as far as like credit cards. Everyone's just going to do no interest, buy now, pay later. Yep. I think the question is, how are they getting paid? I'm guessing they're overcharging for merchandise. Yeah, they just like, mark up. So that'd be the only, I mean, they mark up the Peloton, what, 100 bucks, 15, 15 bucks for every thousand dollars or something like that. And they make a flat fee. But I mean, Square stock ripped over the last week. I mean, it was up almost 15% just on the news of, they're going to buy this company for a ton of money and use all stock. Typically you'd see the stock fall on that news and it popped. So I think that's going to probably be all these other firms, a firm, I can't think of the Nick Klarna, I think is the other one. That's a, a private company. Yep. I don't know what the banks are going to do though. They're going to copy. You think? Absolutely. Just they to, If they don't, if they don't, they're, I mean, they're going to continue to wither on the vine. I mean, banks, traditional banking is just continuing to decline. I mean, people aren't going in banks. I mean, obviously there's, there's a couple of the big ones out there that are pushing very heavy into the tech space to try to continue to appeal to millennials and Gen Zers. But a lot of people are just using your Venmos, your PayPals. I mean, a lot of your digital apps and digital banking. And those guys are all broadening their suite to become more bank-like and less just payment-like. Um, and so if, if banks don't continue to evolve, I mean, I know a lot of the big ones are now using Excel, right? So Zelle instead of Venmo or, you know, PayPal or anything like that. So it's more of an instantaneous thing. Um, but yeah, if they don't start evolving more then they're going to continue to lose ground to these, these, uh, non-traditional banking companies. I almost wonder like, what is the value proposition for like an actual bank? So I, I, I go through the drive through and you send me this like holster that would hold like a public sub and I shove my money in a little umbrella and shoot it up the tube to you. Or I go in and you give me it's this honestly kind of exciting. That's probably the best part <laughs> on the bank. That's the coolest part of the bank. I'd love to fill that thing with like powder. Just like, <laughs> you know, just shove the whole thing. Yeah. Just pop them with frosted <laughs> powdered sugar or whatever, but. You go in, well, I guess you got the drive-thru, it sucks. You go to the ATM, there's no point for that anymore. You can QR code anywhere you want. Yep. You go in the bank and some guy in a GSA bank suit starts coming up telling you about his CD rates. <laughs> Dude, I got, I got, I got high rates. And you, what do you know about 50 basis points? You want to make a half a percent? What do you know about that 50, 50 basis point, five years CD? I don't, I don't know if you... <laughs> I don't, I don't know if you're comfortable with that. If you're auto loans with us, we'll give you 60 basis points. I know. Like six for 27 years. And there's a massive surrender if you take it's like I don't get the value prop. I get it if you're like, you know, if I have a company, I need to borrow money. I'm not gonna go to Square and PayPal and be like, yeah, I need to, I need to borrow my receivables, but I don't know. I, I think these digital banks are really pushing the envelope. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they how they yeah, keep evolving. They're going to continue to eat. I mean, I, I I tell clients all the time that I mean, 
the squares and the PayPal's of the world are the future of banking. I mean, the traditional guys are going to continue to wither on the vine. I mean, obviously a lot of it's regional. So you have some more rural areas that don't adopt technology as, you know, as broadly banks will still be fine there, but those are still going to be more of your regional and your local banks, not, you're not going to have as much of a, of a massive bank presence, but I think you're going to continue to see consolidation on the banking space. I mean, look at just this past year, right? I mean, BB&T, SunTrust, they get, so now it's Truist. Worst um, name ever. It took it me like is, six months to figure out how to pronounce. I, I have a credit card there. And I was like, yeah. I knew you know, what is your bank's name? But also, yeah, but I would say, I would say other than the, the you know, the, the lending, right? The borrowing space. I mean, that's, that's really where they are more competitive in. Um, other than that, I mean, it's really not. And, and the other thing I would say is that the mortgage is obvious. I mean, like people aren't as comfortable going to non, I mean, at least the mass, the masses aren't as comfortable going to non-banks yep. for mortgages and, and larger loans and things of that nature. Yep. Not yet, at least. The only downside, I think, with like the digital banks at some point, I think I found it from my sister, but there's a bank called Simple and they helped you with like, we're going to just send your paycheck to like into different savings buckets and try to help you with budgeting. And literally I've cashed it out after I got married, but I had a letter in the mail from them a couple of weeks ago and they're like, we're closing shop. We're just done doing what we're doing. So your money's now going to this other bank and <laughs> yeah, yeah, we quit. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your interest. It was and, too uh, hard. Yeah. Here you go. What they're also going to start doing more so is getting into uh, securitizing their uh, those receivable loans they do. Yeah, I mean, all the hedge funds well, are buying they, that square they already, paper. They already do that to a degree, but it's just it's not you know there's only so much of it because they want to. I, I think I told you about that company I've, I've worked with before. Put some clients in in the past where they again they they take receivable loans, they give them out to a certain group of their what they've you know, through their data analytics, what they view as the least risky category of clients that they work with. And they offer them very low rate, fixed short-term loans. And, you know, these, you know, these are growing small businesses that are eating those up and using that capital to quick and quickly turn that around to help them grow and expand their business. And I think that aspect is a very unique, different thing that Square is doing. Uh, again, that's the traditional banks are not doing and they're, they're going to be able to add that to their balance sheets and continue to grow that over time. Yeah. The last thing I'll cover on score, I'll get to the next topic is most banks that are going to lend you money, want you to come in with physical paper P and L's. And they're like, well, let me see what you did last year in revenue. And square has these merchants that they literally can see, see. every transaction they do every second. So as you know, the business owner goes in to talk with, Square, or I guess call Square, Zoom Square, you're seeing real-time transactions come in, makes yeah, their, their lending and underwriting more accurate, which is Absolutely. a huge game changer. Yeah. All right, let's go to the next topic. What the heck is happening in China right now? Who knows? <laughs> it does feel like they're trying to uh, really discourage any kind of uh, new IPOs from uh, being listed here in the, uh, in the States. So I, mean, I would say it even looks like they're trying to discourage a lot of the publicly listed companies from maintaining their status on U.S. exchanges. I don't need, like 
uh, so I'm stuck between two things. Like, you know, on the, on the one hand, these are some of the best businesses that like most people don't know Chinese companies and how they involve themselves in day-to-day interactions in the U S but you know, there's always kids are addicted to TikTok. There's a lot of kids that are addicted to Fortnite and all of these are owned by on the back end, some sort of Chinese company. So I mean, China's IP, some of their, their corporate companies, Alibaba, I mean, the numbers that those businesses put up dwarf everything we have over here. And then, you know, I see that, I see how quality they are. And then I see that the businesses are trading at like the valuation of a bank here. And it's like, okay, these stocks look cheap. But then the flip side, you see, you know, education companies fall 95% because China's like, I don't like the way these companies are doing this. So, you know, one of the risks we always talk about with investors is it's like, okay, yeah, so the story sounds good. The business sounds great. But, you know, what's the risk? And typically the risk is like, oh, you know, maybe it's a founder, maybe it's, you know, some commodity or raw material they use. In this case, it's like the government is just whack a mole everything. It's wild. It's wild it, to watch it in real time. I'll definitely say that. Well, even in, and I think it was uh, 10, so t- I guess there's 10 cent stock and then 10 cent music. Yeah. And, you know, 10 cent music is kind of like, Warner Music or Spotify, and a lot of these companies buy the rights to an artist's music, and they own it, and they just flat out said, nah, no, you don't anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Yeah, no. (laughs) Let me get that. Yeah. Well, literally, the stock went from $32 to $10. Yeah. It's like, I I, I, I don't think my brain knows enough of how to handle this now. I don't think you're going to see China just say, hey, we're just going to bash all of these into in existence and torpedo all the returns. Yep. I don't think we're going to get there, but. Yeah. I mean, you look at, so look at TAL, right? T-A-L. So that's one of the largest education, uh, education companies over there in China. I mean, they're down 72% in the last month. I mean, it's incredible. But that's, I mean, that, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, there's all different types of risks. And most, most clients don't think about this type of governmental risk because it generally speaking is not as big of a, you know, concern here in the States because get generally speaking, historically, at least we've been fairly laissez-faire hands-off with what we do uh, in terms of what companies can and can't do. Obviously there's still regulations and there's still rules, but at the end of the day, it's absolutely a completely different ball of wax over there where you've got the communist party and they decide one day, Hey, we don't like the way you're doing business. You can't do business anymore. I mean, it's, 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 and that is not something you can really diversify away. That's really not something you can protect. I mean, unless you're using some type of hedging derivative strategy, you know, option strategy. Otherwise, I mean, it really is just, you just own that and hope they don't mess with your sector. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're literally just some of the upside is, I mean, it's terrific. I mean, obviously, like you said, the story is great, right? The population's booming, wealth is growing. I mean, they're they they are akin to what the US was a hundred years ago as far as the industrial revolution and a lot of monopolies, right? I mean, you take a lot of the, the Alibabas of the world. I mean, there's the the mega companies they have over there, their numbers are so massive because they're allowed to, the government permits them to really be, you know, 
oligopolies and, and run the entire sector. Um, but now it seems like they're starting to, to deviate from that and, and wanting to add a little bit more, I don't know. Uh, it's, it seems like they want to add a little bit more credibility to some of these uh, in some senses. And in some senses, it doesn't really make any sense at all. So, I think they just want to kind of dethrone the U.S. as like the gold standard for where you IPO. You know, a lot of companies are just listing here just because we have such an established stock market. You know, the, the flip side of that is it's hard to get Chinese companies to actually audit their financials and make sure, okay, yes, th- these are the numbers that are there. But I think this is going to be one of those things that over the next three to five years, it's going to be, you know, did they start to, the only way in my mind they become the global main or primary stock exchange is they have to pivot away from, you know, they can't have like a communist run country where everyone is run by the government and then expect the entire world to say, oh yeah, we'll just move our money over there as well. It seems like that's going to maybe crash and burn. But some of these companies like Alibaba's like projected to do $150 billion in sales. I mean, the numbers are just incredible. Insane. I mean, it's you take a a country with a population four times the size of ours. I mean, so the opportunity is absolutely there, but like, I mean, the risk is, is very prevalent. Yeah. The governmental risk is very prevalent there. So let's pivot then. Let's go hang out with, what is it, Gen Z? What's the youngest one? Good. Yeah. Good old Robin Hood. The, uh, this is like the best story ever because it's kind of like this whole company's existence, the name. It makes me always think of just Robin Hood men in tights, but it's, you know, the, the whole goal of this company was to democratize everything. And they basically screw all of their investors oh by God. just skimming off every dollar they're trading on there. But whatever, you know, so the good. app looks great. So, you know, take take what you need. That's it. So company goes public this week. Shares, I think it was around 38 was the IPO price. Now, with a typical IPO, there is so much institutional demand, so many corporate entities want to own this, that individual investors get none. And what's shocking, Robinhood decided to open this up to their own customers. And I've heard uh, like a significant amount of the IPO shares went to individual investors. So you had day one, stock comes out, it flops, basically ends the day. I think it opened at 38, got up to 40, closed at 42. By the end of, I think it was the 30th, it was down in the low, low 30s. Yep. Then I'm guessing Wall Street bets or somebody went nuts with this thing and it spikes to 85. The apes apes had an itch. (laughs) They had to scratch it. Once Reddit gets a hold of it, it's off. You know, it's off to the races. You're a SpaceX rocket going to the moon. But I don't know how to, I don't know how to think of this, but so obviously if the stock price gets too high, you want the business to issue more shares, take the cash, reinvest. I just wrote a post talking about Robinhood doesn't offer IRAs, take the money, open up IRAs for investors if you're really focused on their best interests. And instead, they announced they're going to issue they $3 billion. What was that? They don't offer retirement accounts? Just brokerage accounts with a lot of margin. Well, maybe let's take a step back here for the audience and just so what an IPO is. So an IPO, initial public offering, it's essentially when 
uh, a private company wants to be a public listed traded security. There's a, a very lengthy process they go to. Uh, there's a lot of middlemen, um, investment banks, you, the Goldman Sachs of the world. Um, and they broker those deals to basically price it out as best that they feel they can. And then that's when the public then gets the opportunity to start buying those shares um, post IPO. Now, the other thing, uh, just so we're not throwing out too much jargon, institutional. So Jack referenced a lot of the shares on the front end, especially big IPOs such as this generally get sucked up by institutions. So institutions basically means investment firms, pension and uh, endowments, things of that nature, large, you know, large governing bodies of, of wealth managers. Pensions, retirement plans, state retirement, Florida retirement, think like that. I don't know how you, I don't know how you look at this and say, this is a good thing when they say, Hey, we're going to issue more stock. But then instead of helping their investors, they're like, we're actually going to let the initial investors get out at this higher price. I mean, it I just, think it's such a funny, I, whenever somebody tells me that they, they, they trade on Robin Hood, I, I instantly don't value their opinion as much. Who's the, who's the villain in the Robin Hood? Is it the Sheriff of Nottingham? Is that who it is? Yeah. Is that really, is, is that, is this like a pseudonym? They're just going under Robin Hood, but they're actually just skimming on the back end. They're taxing everybody. The, the irony is just, it's incredible. And the fact that everything that they do, right. Cause the, the, the their big shtick was basically, Hey, we're going to be free, but now everybody else is free. I mean, they've got a they've got a, an interesting interface. I'll give them that. Like that's it's a it's a slick, very well, very well put together package. It looks very nice. It looks very clean. It definitely appeals to the younger audience, um, but it is it's very lacking. Like you said, they don't even have retirement accounts. Uh, it's limited in terms of what types of trades you can place. I mean, they are adding stuff all the time because they're trying to grow and become more legitimate. But it is a very uh, I'm going to say Bush League, but it's pretty Bush League uh, operation. Another service Robinhood offers is crypto. There's a lot going on in the crypto space. This is Sean's like backyard. Sean goes swimming in the crypto ponds. Swimming on the daily. So wait, yeah. I'm going to sum this up, then we can dive into it. But there's a lot going on in crypto. Obviously, it came out of this hole. It was down at 29, up at like 42 today. You got Fidelity launching a big crypto research platform. You got a bunch of robos. Wealthfront added crypto for its uh, customers. JP Morgan is going to allow its advisors to sell and buy crypto for clients. State Street is going to do the same thing. You got the SEC that kind of punted on an ETF. Only a matter. What are you thinking in crypto land, Sean? What are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say the ETF is only a matter time. Um, right now, it does seem that it, the political environment is a little, you know, it, it's, I don't, I don't think there's a lot of appetite to really take on that and, and approve the ETF because they can do it at any time. You know, it's, it's just a matter of political will and wanting to do it. I think the biggest thing, and this is where I get stuck up on it. I'm always on the fence on this stuff to begin with, but it's like, what is important? Is it the technology aspect of this? Or is it these physical tokens and coins and currencies that everyone's 
going nuts with. And on one side, you have one that has a Shiba Inu on it. So you have a dog. And, and that's what I'm supposed to focus on. But on the flip side, the payment stuff in my mind makes a lot of sense. So I think that's why you're seeing a lot of, you know, it shouldn't take you a week to send money across country, whatever it is. Or on the flip side, my wife and I went to Costa Rica and luckily down there, they just, you know, I just bring my Amex or my visa and just swipe away. And everyone down there for the most part has a card reader or something that looks like a square tablet. But if you're in those countries that don't, you need to have an infrastructure. So take a third world country and instead of bringing them to the fourth world, roll them forward and bring them into the fifth world, I guess makes more sense. But there's just, I feel like this is one of those things where it's just like the fire hose is just blowing crap at the wall and it's a lot of it is just going to wash away and it's what sticks. In five years, we're going to look back and say we're stupid because we didn't see it, but we don't I mean, know if yet. You look at the, the, the marketplace right now. I mean, there really is, I mean, I'd say 20 to 25 coins that are legitimate and that will probably have some staying power just because their technology is very innovative. It's going to be a, you know, again, these are going to be roadmaps of what the future of finance looks like. But at the same time, there's over, I think it's 4,100 or something coins and tokens at the moment. The lion's share of that are going to fade. They're not going to exist. I mean, Doge is a joke. It's, it doesn't provide any type of unique, again, breakthrough technologically speaking. I mean, if you look at Bitcoin, for example, you now have the ability to transfer in a, in a absolute bulletproof secure way, billions and billions and billions of dollars in a matter of minutes and also cost next to nothing. Yeah, Whereas but in the past, but, it wasn't an option. But Dogecoin is an open source, peer to peer digital currency favored. I emphasize this favored by Shiba Inus worldwide. So, yeah, so eat that, Sean. They favor it. Shiba Inus will get you. If you're going to be ordering that, you know, that pet food for your animal, they prefer you pay in Doge. As far as the um, the other thing we didn't touch on, so there's also with uh, Ethereum. So the two biggest ones are obviously Bitcoin and Ethereum. They are the market for the most part. Um, but again, there's there's several others out there that are very interesting, have some very unique uh, technology. Um, but as far as the Ethereum space goes, there's a what's called a hard fork, which is essentially a network upgrade. So Ethereum just went through a network upgrade to make things quicker, less expensive, and actually add a component that will shrink the supply of Ethereum over time. So ideally trying to meld some of the characteristics of Bitcoin, because again, Bitcoin has that fixed supply. Ethereum's trying to, to merge some of that into their existing platform. I still just have the hardest time. I'm looking at uh, the founder of Ethereum who's on stage at something talking about Ethereum. He's wearing a rainbow UFO t-shirt with (laughs) unicorns. Yep. Part of me inside just goes, this is the end. This this is how the world ends. (laughs) Is this when Mars attacks, I guess? But who knows? 
the programmers, the programmers have taken over. Who knows? I, I think the big thing is you're seeing, I, I don't look at this so much about the software itself because I don't understand the software that, you know, uh, so my approach is focus on other people. I kind of understand and follow their lead. You know, if you got a rich, well-off friend and they're making money a hand over fist, maybe see what they're doing and dip your toes in there. But if you see Fidelity, JP Morgan, State Street, they have the ability to put an army of people at this at all hours of the day. So while you or I are binging Netflix, they're reading through whatever the heck that guy in the unicorn shirt are doing. So I don't have to. Uh, but my, my favorite my favorite space in this from a securities and investing perspective are the miners. Because they're just the, the business model of the miner is that they just continue to add computing power. And, there's, and essentially there's a multiplier effect, right? So they're gonna obviously go up or down based on the price of Bitcoin or Ethereum, but depending on what they primarily mine, which most of them mine Bitcoin, but they're gonna go up and down with the price of the coin. But at the same time, as they grow and add computing power, their costs continue to shrink. At the same time, the price continues to rise. So their margins just continue to expand and expand. So that's why, again, if you look at what Ethereum did last year, I mean, it was up, I'm sorry, not Ethereum, Bitcoin, before the sell-off in May, I want to say it was up about 620% off of its, off of its, uh, over sure. its one year period. What's that? I said, sure. It's yeah. Infinite it's percent. Something in that range. But then you, you take the miners, right? Some of the larger miners. I mean, they were up anywhere from 28, 27, 2800%. I mean, those things are like... T- but at the same time, again, they, they, they go down just as fast as the coin does. So. I mean, this is the this is the picks and shovels thing. So if you like the internet, buy you know the server farms, buy the components. This is why Nvidia and AMD have exploded. This is why a lot of the manufacturers that make cell towers have exploded. Like AT and T and Verizon have gone nowhere for a long period of time. But a lot of the component manufacturers that are in the devices that are in some of the cables that they're wiring, those have exploded. So yeah, looking at it from a different way, you don't have to understand what the hell's going on with these coins because I don't think anybody does, but if you understand what's generating the momentum, kind of like, you know, for, for produce to grow on a farm, you got to have land. So you can easily just own the land and kind of get ahead of it. Yep. So I let's think- jump in. Let's jump into buy, sell, or hold, Sean. I'm going to throw one at you to start because I know you love the crypto space and you are diehard when it comes to Robinhood and Square and all things digital. So are you going to buy, sell, or hold the big money center brick and mortar banks? Am I going to buy? I'm selling those yesterday. There's, I mean, I know we, we generally don't like to say specific companies, but I mean, there's there's probably two U.S. banks I would own that are not you know your your, your mid-sized regional ones. Um, but for the most part, the big banks I am selling those in a heartbeat. I mean, I will say interest rates will start going up. They will become more profitable. They will start doing better. But in terms of just their overall growth trajectory, their momentum, I think their heyday is past. I think they're going to continue to have market share eaten up by these digital guys. And I just like the upside that those guys provide over your more traditional banks. You're you're not confident in the checkbook? Not, not so much. 
not so much. All right. What do you got? Uh, let's see here. Let me go to my list. The crypto comeback. Yeah, that's what I wanted to throw back at you. So, like buy, sell, or hold this? Yeah, are you buy, sell, or hold this? So, again, it, just so you know, the, the numbers off the July low, they're back. Both of them, Ethereum and, and uh, Bitcoin. And we'll just stick with Bitcoin. So, Bitcoin's bounced off of its July lows over 50%. Are you buy, selling, or holding this uh, comeback? Do you think it will reclaim its previous all-time high and create new all-time highs in the in the next you know six months? I'm gonna hold it. I don't think I'd buy or sell it, mostly because I don't know. I still don't know what it is. Side note: You still need to watch that show called Startup. Because it's literally this. And had you watched that show when it aired on Crackle or whatever the hell channel it was, mm-hmm. I think Sony decided they were going to make their own content in 2016. And everyone said, Sony, you don't know what the hell you're actually doing. Mm-hmm. So Netflix bought it in 2020. Whole show is about crypto, but I still don't understand what any of this stuff is. To me, it's like monopoly money. I get where it's going. So I'm just going to hold when I'm going to hold. Not going to play offense or defense. I'm voting independent on this one. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you're, uh, was it um, Matthew McConaughey and uh, Wolf of Wall Street? It's a woozy. It's a what's It's it's a who gives a fuck? It's fairy <laughs> dust. Who knows? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All, right. All right. So you're holding on to that one. Next one. Buy, sell, hold. What do you got? I, I, I kind of want to go with the. Uh, so we talked on the last week episode about the uh, how to choose an advisor, how to find an advisor. Yep. Tease a little bit about, hey, there's some regulatory things like the CFP board that may come up. So the SEC just find a whole bunch of people for not properly disclosing who they do business with. So buy, sell, or hold the SEC yep. regulating advisory firms. What are you going? Do I buy, sell, or hold the SEC regulating advisory? SEC, FINRA, just advisory regulation in general. Um, I mean, I, I, I guess I have to buy it, but because there's nobody else doing it, but they're not very good at it. Because if you sell it, you're gone. You're just, <laughs> yeah. uh, <chit-chat. laughs> I buy it. I like it. We're cool. I love them. They're great. Those guys are swell. No, they... <laughs> It's like Swiss cheese, man. They Stuff slips through the cracks all the time. Nobody gets caught. And when they do, it's years and years down the road. I mean, unfortunately, that's why it's really, really important to do your own due diligence and not completely rely on the SEC and FINRA to do it for you. Yep. Um, you want to look at firms' backgrounds, right? You want to look at the founders. You want to look at the advisor. You want to make sure you're working with a good outfit, uh, there's a good reputation and that, you know, you can, you can, again, you can, you can look into advisors yourself to see what their background is and what they, you know, if they've had any kind of regulatory issues and obviously make a more informed decision that way, because obviously uh, a lot of times where there's smoke, there's fire. So yeah. I guess I'm buying it because it's, you know, you have to, uh, but I, I will say that you, I would strongly encourage everybody to always do enough of their own personal due diligence and not just rely on some type of 
bio sheet from a recommended Schwab advisor. And Google will give you a lot of quick Google news, search the name of the firm and you're good. But I think, I think it's in the best interest of everyone if there's continued regulation. That's why I'm kind of pro-regulation in Bitcoin and crypto, like get in there and figure out what's what crap is going on right now. But anyways. I mean, I regulation might slow some of the growth of Bitcoin, but at the same time, it'll add some more legitimacy to it, which can only broaden its reach and, and allow it to, you know, more people to become more comfortable with it and it to get into more households. So I think on the net, it's it's a positive, absolutely. The whole thing with Gensler is he just says investor protection is priority one. So you only do that through regulating and getting a lot of the stuff out of there. But all right, what's next on your buy, sell, hold list? Buy, sell, hold. All right. So are we buying, selling, or holding the uh, the Fed tapering sooner than expected? I'm going to sell it. I don't, I don't know why, but I, I, I don't see any reason they're going to they're going to just coast here probably until we get, honestly, we get to a bigger issue. Inflation numbers will uh, really start to heat up and, and force their hand. I mean, it could, but I think the first podcast we talked about this a little bit, or maybe it was the second one. And my thought was there's so many bottlenecks in the supply chain. I mean, I listened to a, a podcast on just a company that wholesales toilets, showers, and plumbing supplies. And they're like, most of our stuff is stuck at warehouses because they can't get enough container ships. Yeah. I kind of think once once all the supply chains go back and you can actually go down to a car dealership and you can get a car and you can, you know, order something and instead of shipping in six to eight weeks, it's six to eight days, you're probably going to start to see things normalize. And I, I I don't see the inflation just spike that everyone's saying. I mean, granted, I'm not a macroeconomist <laughs> economist. So I'm going to sell it. I mean, that's my novice brain, but I'm selling it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would say there's definitely a lot of that out there. Um, you know, as far as the, uh, the delays in shipping, I mean, all that stuff. I mean, Melissa and I, we ordered a couch in February for the new store and it's expected delivery time is November. Do you have it handmade? I have no clue what's going on here, but it is, they are like, hand stitching this thing together it's made from unicorn hair maybe they're swimming it across the atlantic to you <laughs> it's lovely they're actually putting it in a canoe <laughs> very environmentally friendly yeah it's it's an esg play they prefer to have exactly. you know save the environment we're gonna we're gonna kayak this across the atlantic to sean and jacksonville makes sense good. all right last one i got for you buy seller hole my golf game I am selling that bad boy all day long. <laughs> you couldn't pay me to buy that. <laughs> I'm looking at my scorecard right now, and there are more squares and double squares than anything else. Like the this, there was a train wreck today. I need to, yeah, I need to get out there and do something. Maybe I'll just throw the clubs away and I'll solve it. But we'll figure Remember, it out. Can't fit a square peg into a round hole. Well, I mean, there's two pars on here, Sean. Two pars. The rest are train wrecks. The rest is ugly. Yeah, there's a nine on the card. So I, I, I'm i going to sell my golf game with you. Yeah, let's sell it. We'll get rid of it. All right. What's your last one? Wrap it up for us. Um, Buy, sell, or hold the Olympics. Like the, the, the 
finishing of the Olympics, right? This this year has it has it been Sell. a no. Not I'm like selling it. It's it's boring. There's all these people I don't know of. There's no good stories. You know, I'm just I don't know. I, I have no I got nothing interesting from the Olympics that I've been excited about this year. Maybe it's because I stopped watching the news because the news makes me want to just slam my head into a wall, but <laughs> a bridge. There's nothing great. I mean, you know, the weird thing. The only thing I'd buy with the Olympics is more commercials with Olympians because there's like, you know, some CNBC's on. There's a guy talking about, you know, whatever drug that they're pitching for that hour. And then all of a sudden it's like the shot put guy. Yeah, without that pill, I couldn't throw this ball 9,000 feet. And that's. But, but we did, we did create history this time. The first ever fencing gold medal. That's is that putting up fencing or is that with a foil? <laughs> that was called they call, foil. They called swords foils. You know, you know, the best thing about the Olympics for me, I find sports I never knew of every yeah. time it comes around. So I, I learned new sports. Run walking was a thing. Apparently, is that really since the thirties or something? Run is that the, the uh, or walking? Yeah. Run walking. What is what is the one on ice? Is that like the what's the one where they have like uh, a broom? Yeah, 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 what is that? God, I don't, I don't know. All right, so I'll figure figure out what that is. But I kind of think yeah, now I got walking is like the oh my god, it's gonna drive me nuts. Curling, it's called curling. Yeah, there you go, curling. So run walking is the curling of like the summer, you know. It's just you like curling is is really just a bar aggressive game. swiffering. It's just a bar game that they some people hundred years ago were like, man, this is something that we can all compete in. I'll let the curling team go through the house if they want to. Just you know, let's put some swiffer pads down and you know let them go. The brushers on those guys really get after it. I got nothing right. more on that one. That wrapping it up. Let's wrap it up. You close right. out. Close us out. Close us out. All right. Well, we appreciate everybody coming again. Uh, this is again the first tap room episode. So again, tap room is just where Jack and I will freestyle a little bit more, talk about some of the interesting headlines and financial news that's been going on over the last you know few weeks, month, um, and then again we added in our uh, additional buy sell holds for this episode. So again, appreciate you guys coming out. And uh, tune in next time. Sounds good. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever you're listening on. I don't know what platforms this whole thing is on. So if you're on one and there's a subscribe or whatever button, click it. We don't know what it does yet, but we'll figure it out on the back end. But appreciate everyone signing in. All right, Sean, until next week. Adios, muchacho. All right, enjoy your curling over the weekend. Jack and Sean work for Senge Advisory Group, a registered investment advisory firm. All discussions between Jack and Sean or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Senge Advisory Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Senge Advisory Group may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.